0: Hey, Feisty friends, welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, where each week we deliver trusted information for women who want to get the best from their bodies throughout their lives. Learn to feel and perform your best through our four pillars of performance physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, and this is a Feisty Media Production. Hey, feisty friends. Uh, I hope everyone is having a wonderful day, a good dog walk, or you're having fun folding your laundry, or running, or biking on the trainer, whatever you're doing while listening to this. I hope you're having a great time. I have just come back from the Compete Sports Diversity Summit in Seattle, and it was put on in partnership with the Seattle Seahawks, which was kind of cool to be in a space that is kind of like the center of the male-dominated sports in our culture, like football, <laughs> um, and just to be in their stadium actually talking about diversity and inclusion in sport was a pretty special experience. I got to host a some roundtable discussions about women in sport, but Compete specifically is an LGBTQ plus sports organization working towards inclusion through a variety of partnerships they also have an online training and they they have these summits in this case uh, partnered with the seattle seahawks so really fun week for me and then i just i just came home i've been home for one day and i'm actually moving um, in the latter half of this week so really happy to have this moment to sit down and record a little bit and share this very cool interview with you So this week I talked to Josephine Holmberg and Josephine is a trainer. She lives in LA, but she's from Sweden and she has a few celebrity clients as a trainer. She's also competed in CrossFit competitions, which is where kind of our worlds overlap. Um, So it's the reason why I had even a vague idea what she was talking about with some of the lifting, but she also has been into lifting competitions, bodybuilding, and most recently figure competitions and bikini competitions, which honestly are like so far out of my world that I had no idea what they were about until I talked to Josephine. I was on her podcast a few weeks ago, and we had a great conversation there. And I just sort of said to her, hey, listen, would you come on my podcast? I just just wanted to ask her a bunch of questions about training for bikini competitions and what that means. And also she said she's using uh, some of the information she's learned about women's physiology and applying it to her training and to her clients' training too. So I was super curious about how she does that. Josephine's story is also super unique because she's had, she has celiac disease and also has had Lyme disease. And so she had these like two major autoimmune struggles. Um, And she talks about the Lyme disease at the end. It's really interesting to see how she kept a positive mindset through, especially like coming out of that for an athlete. I thought that was extremely interesting. And for anyone who's ever not been believed by a doctor and had to advocate for your own health, which I know so many women and even so many people who have had to um, had to do that, uh, her story is really interesting. And lastly, I really think that Josephine's actually just re-listened to the interview just now before recording this. And Josephine's Attitude, her positivity just like glows through the interview. So I know I've been buoyed by listening to it again, and I hope you enjoy it. Building muscle can be tough, and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high-quality protein, like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. Aminoco has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with Aminoco Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code PERFORMANCE to save 30%. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to team otter which i love because it has a gentle cooling effect and i was able to choose how much stuffing i wanted in it which is super important to me because i'm doing a decent amount of crossfit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky so having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night and as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code performance for 15% off your first purchase. That's code performance at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off. And the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Josephine welcome to the podcast hi
1: Sarah thank you so much for having me
0: yeah it's good to see you again we recorded for your podcast um, a few weeks ago what's it called again for our listeners the one you podcast okay cool um so anyone who's looking for that just head over there um so Josephine I want to start here with your childhood you're from Sweden am I right
1: yes that's right I grew up in a little town on the countryside in Sweden Oh, nice. And so did you play sport as a child? Yeah, I did. So I actually, so I played soccer mainly. Yeah. Growing and up. You, my dad was a soccer coach, so.
0: Oh, did he coach your team? No, but my sister's team. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. And did you think, like, did you, do you feel like the culture in Sweden is supportive to girls playing sport?
1: Actually, so I have a fun story there because I, soccer was like, it wasn't, more like common for girls to play soccer but Mm -hmm. i do remember that i really wanted to play ice hockey and that was yeah because i was from a small town it was like only girls playing ice hockey so i wasn't like i don't know if i was i was probably not pushing enough either to do it but yeah it was like no girls were playing ice hockey in my town so.
0: yeah it's the same here in Canada you know like, well you know ice hockey in Canada it's I know it's huge in Sweden too right and um, it's like the same thing in small towns where a lot of the girls who want to play end up playing with boys teams I know we've had even like court cases that go to the highest level around whether like girls should be allowed to play with the boys kind of thing. So I think this, this is like a global challenge.
1: It really is. And it's so crazy, like, because it is still going on. It feels like it's more common that guys have like sports that they play than girls. Mm-hmm. So, but my cousin, she was actually, she's a girl and or my cousin's kid. I mean, she, should, she was actually on uh, the guy's team in the town where I'm from. So oh, they started yes. to, like, get girls into the ice hockey team as well. So she's playing.
0: Cool. She's really good. That's yeah. always evolve, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, what kind of, you live in L.A., right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And what right. brought you
0: to L.A.? How
1: did you end up there? Yeah, so uh, it was actually me wanting to, like, see a different culture and to improve my English. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to New York on vacation just for two weeks and I really fell in love with New York and so badly wanted to move there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I ended up finding UCLA Extension here and I was like, oh, maybe L.A. is nicer, like weather wise. New York is more similar to Sweden. So I was like more sun and like warmer weather. Yeah. And, yeah. So I just you- moved without knowing anyone here. That's so awesome. And you say
0: UCLA Extension, were you in university at the time?
1: Yes. I moved and I studied a fitness insurance certificate at the UCLA.
0: Nice. Okay. So you started, I know we have this in common, um, cause you were a crossfitter, uh, at some point yes. in your career. Um, tell us a bit about like your journey from like CrossFit into like all the way to like the bikini fitness competitions that you do now.
1: Absolutely. So I started, um, I started out with crossfit in 2000 i have to think back i think it was 2014 it was about a year before i moved to la so it was 2014 mm-hmm. uh before then i had like done some running and some like lifting in the gym with like some friends but i always felt kind of like uncomfortable just going into the gym and lifting weights mm. so um instead i um I met some friends that were doing CrossFit and they were like, Oh, you should try this out. It's really fun. It's like a culture, like you get to like train with other people. And, um, yeah, so I tried it out and I, I really like fell in love with CrossFit because it was so fun. Just like the community part, like that you have other people that you train with and you have a coach making sure that you do all the lifts correctly. And, um, it's a little bit of like competitions in there. Like mm-hmm. I was mainly competing with myself, but like it's it's always better to have more people around you to push you. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so that was really fun. But I also, during the CrossFit time, I kept doing that for like about two, three years. And during that time, I really fell in love with the Snatch and Clean and Jerk. So mm-hmm. when I was living here uh, in LA, I found uh, another like, a weightlifting gym, like the CrossFit gym also had like a weightlifting gym. So they had a specific part where they only did the, the weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, I'll probably, I'll try that that out for a little bit. And mm-hmm. that was really fun. And I did that for one or two years. And I was like, the fact that you got to lift heavy was fun at that time. I just really mm-hmm. wanted to get like really strong, and see how far I could get. So I did some competitions in weightlifting as well. I think I did four or five. Um, cool. What are your, t- tell us, what
0: are your PRs in the, the snatch and the clean and jerk?
1: Yeah. So the snatch, the heaviest uh, is 61 kilos. Uh-huh. And then the clean and jerk 82.
0: Nice. That's
1: like the heaviest. Yeah. Yeah. I was like two meat PRs. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so, so that was fun, and then I I just felt like I plateaued a little bit, and I was like, you know, my body couldn't really handle the the heavy load, and uh, that's when I started to like look into what else I could do. I'm I'm I guess I like I like the competitive part, like knowing that you have something to work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided that I wanted to try something else, and I found the the bikini or First, it was actually, so I reached out to a bodybuilding coach and he wanted me to do figure. Mm -hmm. So I trained for figure all the way, like this was in 2019. I started to train to compete in figure. So Mm -hmm. I started prep in February and I was training until like June. And two weeks before, I, I saw one of my Swedish friends and she was like, she's a bikini athlete. She was like, you should really like you should definitely do bikini as well because you're gonna win. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I signed up for both. So I did both figure oh. and bikini. Okay. Explain because even
0: I don't fully understand like what is the difference? What is a figure competition and what's bikini competition and what's the difference?
1: Yeah, so it's a, the figure class, you're supposed to be a little bit more muscular. And a little bit leaner, and have like more striation in the muscles, so they they're more like visible Mm -hmm. bikini and and figure. The posing is also different. It's a little bit more strict, and you're just supposed to like hold the poses and like really flex your muscles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Versus the bikini, you're a little bit less muscular, and you don't have like you're not supposed to have any striations in your muscles at all, and. Mm -hmm you are you have more of an x shape so you have like rounder shoulders and rounder glutes mm-hmm. and like a smaller waist and I like the posing a little bit better because it's more of like like a little bit more loose and mm-hmm. if that's the word mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I mean so you're moving a little bit more
0: Yeah. Interesting. So as a, as someone who was a former professional triathlete, right. I'm used to like training for something where I'm trying to reach peak condition for a performance, you know, Mm -hmm. where like the fastest time from A to B wins the race kind of thing. And it's a little bit different. Am I right? Like with bikini or figure like where you're actually trying to get a look, right? Like, how does it, how do you plan your training for that?
1: Yeah, it is different because I was used to what you said before as well, like more performance when I did Mm -hmm. that. Like it was more something that you could like, that was more tangible. You could actually like, you knew that you had to get like stronger. You can see the improvements Mm -hmm. in that sense. And also like when you did compete, it was easier to see that this person is actually better than me because Mm -hmm. this person lifted more weight than me versus like stepping on stage, standing next to girls. Sure. Like in some cases you might see, but in some cases you might think it's like unfair because you're like, I actually look better than her, but it's right. hard to like,
0: you so know? there's like a human judgment aspect to like, you're winning and losing in the bikini competition.
1: Yeah. There's mm-hmm. certain standards, but sometimes you're like, mm, I don't know, uh, but it is, um, that's like, it's been really important for me to have like a coach who actually knows because and someone that can actually, because here it's almost like solely based on like the how you look each week. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to just like look at yourself and see if you're making progress. So it's really important to have someone else like from the outside, looking at the pictures and seeing, because if you just look at yourself, you're like, Nothing is happening. I'm not looking better and right yeah.
0: right. And does you do the way that you physically look does it change fairly dramatically from like in competition to out of competition?
1: Yeah, it, like the week of the competition is usually the time where what we call peak week when mm-hmm. like the you get a lot tighter as they mm-hmm. say like your muscles become like really visible. and It's mainly because how we do, like how my coach does it for me, is that we, um, what is it called? Like he, so what he does is he drops my carbs not Mm -hmm. to zero, absolutely, like which I love because my first coach had me on zero carbs, and that was the worst thing ever. Yeah, Yeah. my coach that I'm working with now has a different approach, which I love. Mm -hmm. So I have never been like really low on carbs. So he, he drops them just to like deplete me a little bit when the cardio is the highest. And this is not like close to come. This is a week out from competitions. And then he starts to like slowly, um, lower the cardio at the same time as the carbs go up. So it kind of like carb loads me like the entire week, which makes the muscle pop a little bit more, um, on the day of the show.
0: Interesting. Okay, do do men do a similar competition too, or is it only a women's competition?
1: Uh, Yeah, they do, but they're Uh called like men's physique, and uh, yeah,
0: right. And are you at the same competition at the same time, or are the ones that you are in are they like just for women? How does it work?
1: No, it's both men and women at the same time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but the men usually goes on first. (laughs) Oh, and we have to wait. It
0: never swaps.
1: Usually, like so. Usually, the bikini girls were last in the day, which right. kind of like sometimes it's just so frustrating <laughs> because Sorry, the, the guys w- are done and they can start eating, and we're like, yeah, we have to still like be on our strict plan. And totally. Did you say the pouty girls? No, I don't know. Are- <laughs> did I? Did you the bikini girls? No, the bikini. I think. Oh, yeah, I see. Bikini.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was like, what are there? Like, yeah, you're like, like, what I thought maybe they were like size categories or something. I wanted to make sure I heard that. Right. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: The bikini, girl. bikini girls. Got it. Yeah. Got it.
0: Um, okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about your, like, cause you're a fitness trainer. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And on your website, it said something I really liked about how you treat your clients as individuals yeah. um, and didn't give everyone the same program kind of thing. Why do you think that's important?
1: Because we're all so different. Like, we have different lives. That's something we, we really need to take into consideration in order to... Because, like, not all people have can do, like, exactly the same. Wake up in the morning, go to the gym. And, like, there are several different things that you have to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we're, like, also our bodies, like, respond so differently to different things. Like, some people can tolerate carbs better. Other might not. And um, yeah, we're also like different. So we need to really uh, make sure that we take that into account.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. How, how do you figure out someone's carb tolerance? So
1: usually I usually try to like, try, like I do the trial and error. So I have them mm-hmm. on a certain, like, I don't like to go under, like, I know that dr stacy sims talks about that i usually don't like to drop people under 150 gram a day Uh if they want to try it they can always try it out but Uh what i do is that i i try and then every week when during our check-in i ask them how they feel like energy wise and like when they work if they're using their like brain a lot Uh, i ask about like how because what i find is that if I'm too low on carbs, I have a hard time like thinking and focusing. Yeah. Yep. So so yeah, that's usually how I yeah. work around like the carb intake. Yeah, that's
0: the same experience I had when I tried to do it. Was you know, a few years ago, it was very popular to try to go as low as you can possibly go on carbs for whatever reason, even though we didn't really know that the science doesn't stand for women. Um, but yeah, that's what I found too, that it would affect my ability. I felt like I couldn't connect to my brain. <laughs> You know,
1: exactly. It's so, it's such a weird, but I, yeah, I also tried it a couple of times and it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. And you just feel like you want to stay in bed all day.
0: Yeah, that's, it's not good. You, I know that you took Dr. Stacy Sims' Women and Not Small Men course and that you're applying mm-hmm. some of the, info there to your training um how how are you doing that like how are you taking that science I know it's a question that we get a lot at feisty like how do we apply this science to a particular sport so for you how do you apply it
1: for are you thinking like training or nutrition or both or both
0: and for you personally too but I'd love to hear about how you apply it with your um, clients as well
1: yeah so so I have been trying to figure out with myself uh, I have an IUD so mm-hmm. I don't have my period so what I'm trying to figure out as to where when it's supposed to happen mm-hmm. and then I'm trying to like plan my workouts around that so I'm like lifting heavier the first like bet- like the, between the, the first day of bleeding and ovulation mm-hmm. and I figure out like Personally, I feel like I'm the strongest like week two. So like right before Mm -hmm. or around ovulation. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, I usually base my trainings. I do more like hypertrophy week one between uh, eight and like 15 reps. Mm -hmm. And then I go heavier week two. So I do more like strength, maybe like between five and eight reps. And then Week three, I go back again to more, like, Mm hypertrophy-based. And then week four, it depends on how I feel. And then I usually do, like, maybe even more reps, like, 15 to 20, if I feel like, or, like, body weight and more recovery time.
0: Yeah. Is your coach open to this? Like, does he work with that kind of information when he sets the program?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, He's open to
1: that. And he's, like, yeah, he's very – because he works with a lot of female athletes. so. Uh Yeah. How did you
0: broach the topic with him? Like when you first were thinking, oh, I want to maybe train with my cycle or figure that out. Did you bring it up? Did he bring it up? How did that happen?
1: No, I, I brought it up because uh-huh. I've been like reading a lot about this. Uh-huh. Um, and then we discussed it and he was, yeah, he he was on board with it because he knows that it makes a difference as well in like how you feel. Yeah. And do you help your clients work with their cycles? Yeah, I've been... Impl- st- like starting to implement it more and more um, mm. and i've been trying like the same kind of approach but i have been experienced that there is some differences in when people feel the strongest but mm. but it's kind of, it takes time and it like you need to really them how they feel and then play around a little bit But It's not super easy. I feel like it's still like a lot. I need to like really um, try to do more research, like with more clients. And yeah, it takes some time to implement, I feel like, and figure it all out. Totally. You're on the front line,
0: right? So like the information itself is new and we're trying to figure out how to work with individual women um, with the information. So yeah, you're right that it's going to be different for everyone. And maybe we'll find out that what we know now might evolve or change in a few years too. Um, Exactly. I think that's great that you're implementing it because we get a lot of people asking like, how do I find a coach that knows that like understands women's physiology? You know, where do I find those people? And there's just not that many yet.
1: No, it's not. That's so true. And I also think it's important because there's not one right way. So so they must be open to like trying things out as well as clients mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not like just think that there is like the, it's important to like keep communicating about it so mm-hmm. we can figure out what what's what works best for each and everyone.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, okay, I want to um, talk to you a little bit about the uh, autoimmune diseases that you have or have struggled with or have had to figure out. Um, so, first yeah. of all, one that's really close to home for me because I'm also celiac. I know that you're a celiac. Uh, when did
1: you find out? So, actually, I found out when I was 17. Mm-hmm. It was pretty late. Or, I don't know. When did you find out, by the oh, way? Oh, not until I was 30. Oh, okay. so, yeah so that was earlier for me late. but yeah I was I was 17 I remember I had struggled with a lot of like stomach pains for one one and a half years and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out what it was and I kept losing weight and mm-hmm. I was still eating as much and I couldn't figure out what it was I think I lost like 25 pounds without Whoa. doing anything different and I was like kept getting like ear infection, throat infections. And I was mm-hmm. sick all the time. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor and they were like, no, nothing is wrong with you. And I was like, but I'm not feeling good. Something mm-hmm. is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and then finally, after me asking for it three times, they took the blood tests for the celiac disease mm-hmm. and it showed that it was the celiac. And then I had to, yeah, because like not only stomach pains other symptoms were like bra- brain fog and like, mm-hmm. I was always tired.
0: Yes. The and fatigue like, and the brain fog. Terrible. Mm-hmm.
1: It's so bad. It's like, I thought that I was like, I'm like, I feel so stupid all the time. Something is either I'm, I am stupid or something is not <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, so when yeah. I finally got diagnosed, I was like, Oh my God, I am not just like making this up.
0: mhm. Did it change your life? Like, did your energy yeah. levels change? What, what were the main things that changed?
1: Yeah. My energy levels and not always walking around having like stomach pain every time I ate and mm-hmm. just knowing that you could do something in order to feel better. That mm-hmm. was like a relief.
0: Yeah. I think for me, I think I had always associated celiac disease with um, like GI distress which I did have, right? But I didn't realize that it was also causing the things that you said like that, the brain fog. And I was training for Ironman when I found out like as a full-time athlete. So I thought that the fatigue was training related, you know? So when I like finally like figured it out, I was like, oh my God, like
1: my whole life changed
0: because I had so much more energy, even though I was training 25 hours a week, I
1: was like so much energy. That must have been such a huge difference for you, like mm-hmm. training performance-wise as well, right? Yes. Well, and I had, for me,
0: I had, uh, you know, I had been on the podium at several Ironmans and never won. And once I figured it out, I was like, okay, now, now I'm on the right path. It's just that it was extra couple percents, you know, and I had the opposite to you almost. Like I didn't, um, I didn't lose a ton of weight, but what happened was like my body was holding on. So I, I looked kind of like puffy sometimes like where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't absorbing food properly. So my body just like, just panicked. It was like, you know, we're just going to hold on to the extra weight and water and stuff like that.
1: But have you after like, so after you got your diagnosis, have you ever been exposed to gluten? You
0: know, I don't think I'm too sensitive because I, it's funny because I eat out a lot and I've never had any issue with like cross-contamination. And if I do, I get, I'll get a minor GI issue first. Um, So luckily I'll just have a small reaction if I have a little bit. Um, I did actually one time by mistake eat a, um, it was like a vegan sausage and I didn't read the package and they had stuffed it with like gluten to make up for Mm -hmm. like, the protein to kind of keep it glued together, and I didn't realize. And I the next day I felt like I had the flu, and I was like lying in the oh, couch, wow. like, I'm so sick. And then I had this moment where I was like, wait a second, what was in those
1: sausages? <laughs>
0: yeah, have you yeah. had anything like that? Like where you accidentally had
1: some? Um, yeah, I think I had early on that I know of, but then I haven't. I, like, I haven't really, but lately I've been experiencing some more issues oh, than normally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like one time I really think that I got, like, it was cross-contamination or something because I got a really bad reaction, mm. which I've never had after eating out. But this time I threw up and it was, like, Ooh. from the food, I'm sure. But I, yeah, so I don't know if I'm getting more sensitive again. So I need to... Watch that more closely and be a little more careful right now, I feel like
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. uh, I just wish sometimes you could kind of like know, you know what I mean? like <laughs> if you get crap that you could like figure out like see somehow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Okay. Let's talk about Lyme disease as well. Cause I know, uh, I know a couple of fellow pro-train athletes who have struggled, you know, like from getting Lyme disease is often transmitted from ticks, you know, and so if we're running on trails and stuff like that, we're more at risk. So how did you, how did you get it? How did you find out you had Lyme disease?
1: So that was also a long journey. So I, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. so crazy, but I, I think like I'm pretty sure I got it from or I got it from a tick because I always every summer I had several like we have a lot like a summer house in Sweden and Mm -hmm. I always had like ticks every summer but then it was I'm trying to think back it was one year I started to feel extremely tired something was really wrong my body was like aching and I woke up with like a slight sore throat every morning. And then as it got worse, I started to like, when I woke up some days, I felt like I couldn't move. My body was just like Mm -hmm. laying there. I could move my eyes, but that Mm -hmm. was it. And then the rest of the body was so exhausted. So I was like, I don't know what to do, how to get up from bed. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like walking upstairs, was so out of breath and I felt like my heart was gonna jump out of my chest and I was like it was I couldn't recognize myself and my body and yeah I was just tired all the time. But then it it came and went away like over like it was like I had it for a few weeks and then it got a little bit better. And but I went to the doctor when it was at like the worst. And same thing again, the doctor took blood tests and stuff, and they were like, no, nothing is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And um, he even asked me one time because my resting heart rate was at like 36, mm-hmm. which is really low. And he was like, Are you on steroids? And I was like, <laughs> No. I was like 20 at the time. I was like, <laughs> I don't, I barely know what steroids, <laughs> you know? So, and I think if I'm not a, Totally wrong. If you're on steroids, usually your resting heart rate goes up. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, but anyhow, he was like, "No, nothing's wrong with you, and you're fine." And I kept going back to the like the doctor, mm-hmm. and and I started to feel like I I was hypochondriac or something because he mm-hmm. was like, "No, nothing's wrong with you." And my mom come came with me and. After like three four visits, he sent me to a colleague of him. His like, and he, I, we went to him. Luckily, my mom was with me, but he told me that I was hypochondriac. Whoa,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm hearing echoes in in your whole story here of the like. You know, it's it's. We have the studies that show that like women are less believed in a medical setting women of color are even less believed about their pain you know and i'm just like as you're talking i'm like yeah that's and i i have other friends who um had a similar experience of like undiagnosed lyme disease for a really long time because they because the doctor is like there's nothing wrong with you it's in your head right so how did you finally figure it out so after
1: after that visit or maybe it was my friend and I, she was actually Googling more than I did, but she like just really Googled a lot. And mm-hmm. she was like, I think you have Lyme disease. And I was like, yeah, it sounded like all the symptoms were pretty much the same. So mm-hmm. I went back to the doctor and I asked him to take the test for Lyme disease. And he was like, no, I'm 99% sure it's not that. So we're not going to take that test.
0: Whoa.
1: And I was like, okay, we're not well, taking the test then.
0: Did you find a new doctor?
1: Yeah, so I, I actually started to feel a little bit better. That was like, my, my, it was over the summer, I felt like I, during the summer, I felt better than Mm -hmm. when it was colder and darker. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually, that was like, I think I went six more months before I got into like a bad period again. And I had moved up to Stockholm at that time because I'm from a small town, but I had moved up to Stockholm Mm -hmm. and I went to a doctor there and I told him my symptoms and I told him that I thought before that it was Lyme disease and he was like, yeah, I think so too. So we're taking that test and that's what it was. Wow. So I think I went like one, one and a half years with it before I got it yeah. diagnosed. And, and then it's not,
0: a, it's not an easy road out either, is it? Like how long, does it still affect you now or how long was it
1: until you were completely clear? I think it took me like five, six years. And I, I don't, I don't think I can really, sometimes I feel like I might have some of the symptoms mm-hmm. and issues. So because I know that right after I, he gave me like lo- like 21 days of antibiotics, which maybe it's not the best, but I didn't know back then what I should do. So I just did what he told me to do. Mm-hmm. But when that, those 21 days were up, everything came right back. I, like, oh. and he said that that might be the case. Yeah. I had to go back again, get 14 more days. And then after that, I was still feeling like, you know, really tired and exhausted. And Mm -hmm. same with that, like the brain fog was so bad and the sore throat. But I know that like the the body pains and aches in the morning, Mm -hmm. I felt for like years after. And -hmm. also the lower resting heart rate, maybe it is like, but I think that is also Mm -hmm. um, something that comes with the Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I can still be down in the 35s. Wow. That
0: is low. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: how do you, and for our audience listening to
0: like, what do you, how did you mentally cope at that time? And how did you sort of get your, keep yourself in a positive frame of mind?
1: Yeah, I actually, I do remember what I did a lot. It was too, because even more like even more during the springtime when Sun started come up come out more in Sweden. But one thing that I did was to get outside daily. Mm. And some days I couldn't walk that far. Some days I just like made it, but because I only had stairs from my apartment, so I had to walk down the stairs. <laughs> got down. I had to sit down for a little bit and like catch my breath, kind of. And then I just like oh. walked in like a really slow pace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just like enjoying the sun and hearing the birds like that's what I remember the most like getting Mm -hmm. out and also having like a good podcast to listen to something that could like keep me calm and Mm -hmm. yeah just like staying positive as you say it was it was hard like some days I was like just want to lay in bed and stay inside but like trying to get outside at least for like five minutes every day that I think that saved me Cool.
0: And, and what do you, do you have things that you recommend for women specifically who are trying to
1: feel strong and empowered? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, I really think that you always, you should always listen to your own intuition and follow mm-hmm. like, and do things that you want to do and feel like empowered by I think we, like, we women have to get better at listening to our own intuition and ourselves. I think Mm -hmm. we're, at least this is something I feel I'm not going to talk about everybody, but, like, I feel like it's so important to actually do what you feel like doing and things that, like, yeah, don't always listen to what other people want, listen Mm -hmm. to what you want.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. That's advice that I often give too, because I think like, if we look at the facts that studies, the studies that are creating our training or are behind our training aren't done on women, right. Of course, like there's going to be things that feel like there's a disconnect, you know, and that's where our intuition can come in and, and help us, you know?
1: Exactly. And sometimes it's like, oh, you should do that, or you should do this, but I think you should always like, just sit down and relax, and like listen to what you want, and then make it plan from there. Mm, I love
0: it. Okay, so where can our listeners follow you? How do we follow along, follow along with your journey?
1: Yeah, so I'm really good at sharing on Instagram, so that's the best place, I would say. My Instagram is I'm Josephine Holmberg, mm-hmm. and then you also have my podcast, One You Podcast. It's both on Spotify and on um iTunes. Um so yeah, those are probably the both.
0: When's your next competition?
1: And I'm taking some time off. I had a really long season last year. I competed June, July, August, September, and November. Wow. <laughs> so my coach is like, we're gonna take at least a year off. He was like, I'm not oh a year.
0: You. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I my body like so the hormones doesn't mm get all out of whack and all that so and I was lean for a long time Mm -hmm. which is not the healthiest for women Mm -hmm. because I was probably closer to 10% body fat Mm -hmm. and so maybe December uh, there is a bigger competition in Vegas so might do that one
0: okay cool well we'll watch out for it Um, Josephine thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story really appreciate it thank you so much for having me Sarah I've personally been running in the Alma Cruz, and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy, the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face. Even when you're running in hot conditions, no matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you, whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love. So I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to TafosiOptics.com and use the code FM20, FM as in feisty media, to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at TafosiOptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? And use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right. You get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY f-e-i-s-t-y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive, and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose.